In honor of the new LEGO Space Shuttle Discovery set, which comes out today, we're talking to Charlie Nangle, creator of the Instagram account, The Brick Space. Plus, there's plenty of news and sport to report on, so we'll keep you right up to date with all that's happening in the world of space. We'd love to see your LEGO build, so please share some photos with us on social media. We're at Space and Things 1 on Twitter, or get involved at Space and Things Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you all so much for your support and for listening and hitting the share button as well. But right now, all we really want is for you to enjoy episode 31 of the Space and Things Podcast. You're listening to Space and Things with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles, and welcome to episode 31 of our podcast. Hey, Emily, I feel like I have done you a bit of a disservice over the last couple of weeks because I forgot to mention that you've had two articles come out, and, and we've, we've been so busy that I just haven't brought them up. Um, so there's been two. First of all, we actually mentioned it when we were interviewing Teasel a few weeks ago, uh, the How We Got to the Moon book. Uh, and You've reviewed that on the on the on your NSS blog, right? Yes, I did. Um, yeah, it's by John Rocco. It's called "How We Got to the Moon." Um, the book is actually sort of skewed towards middle aged school students or middle aged. <laughs> that's me. I'm a middle aged school student. Um, middle grade students. That's what I meant to say. Right. But um, I think any everybody should read it, regardless of how old you are. Um, I love it's beautifully illustrated, which is just I mean, it's it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous book to look at. And um, it really explains Apollo in a way that's simple, but it's not talking down to the reader. It has a really beautiful breakdown of like mission control, which I thought was cool because I've seen people who are professionals who get the breakdown of all the different jobs wrong because it's kind of there's a hierarchy so it's really neat to see that sort of broken down like, oh, OK, now I get that. Thank you. You know? Yeah. So I think it's a book that everybody should get. And um, John Rocco does a really good job also of sort of telling the stories of like unsung heroes of Apollo. There's Fantastic. a lot of people in it, like Poppy Northcutt, for example, you know, just people who they've reached prominence, I'd say, in the last few years. But probably during the Apollo days, people didn't know who they were. And it's nice mm. to see them put in the spotlight now. For people like us, I feel it's always good to have a book around that you can pull out when someone's around and asking questions. Because when people come around here, they see the photos and they start talking about stuff. And I realize that sometimes I then just go off on it and don't necessarily explain things as well as I could do that it's understandable. But having a book like that where you can point out, oh, look, there's machine control. Here's what the different things did. And it, yeah. well, it's done for, as you say, middle grade. What what age is middle grade? Sorry, we don't have those that system oh, over here. Oh, okay. I apologize. Um, In America, it would be like ages, uh, probably like age 11 through 14. Yeah, that's that's what I thought you meant. So this is a, a perfect book, as I was saying. It's a bit more basic, uh, not as technical. So when we're talking to people who about this stuff and or perhaps trying to explain to them how things worked we can pull this book out and it's perfectly on a plate for us i wouldn't and the thing is the book i wouldn't even say it's really basic it's it's readable is what i'm saying it, right. i think everybody should get it it's a and plus i mean it's just beautifully illustrated there's one picture of mike collins doing some kind of you know rendezvous thing and it's there's a illustration of him sort of you see him 
from you know outside of the command module looking out of the window and i i just love it because it's like your mind sort of imagines okay that's probably what that must have looked like it's beautiful i think everybody needs to get this book talking of beautiful books did you see that the folio society have reissued a man in the moon by andy shakin uh, a, a two book edition uh it's, it's really expensive about 150 pounds yes over 200 dollars or something like it would that. be very that's way expensive it looks stunning with loads of great photos and looks beautiful that's on my fantasy list right now because uh, i think i have a few versions of a man on the moon but that one looks it looks like a collector version yeah almost the def- the definitive version right just exactly. <laughs> such a big for yourself and i have several copies of that i have the time life version which is like the three book set and i forgot when that came out i think the late 90s and i also have my the beat my beat up version which is actually the signed version of that book but it's like beat to death like that book <laughs> is like coming apart practically cuz i've read it so much i'm probably going to spring the three hundred dollars to get that so yeah <laughs> even though i already have it <laughs> yeah I, I might set up a set up a kickstarter just to get me that book anyway yeah. <laughs> uh, your other your other article was on the space review which i'm not sure i've seen you publish anything on here before so i published a few things on there in the pa- in the past I, I did a book review on there last year that i i did with uh Dwayne day right okay he's a pretty big space historian hey Dwayne, if you're listening he's probably like oh crap but um, yeah, I, I, I kind of did a revised version of an article I, I did for the NSS. And it's about um, it was about For All Mankind, the current season. Obviously, a, a lot of the main characters on the show are women astronauts and not just women astronauts, women in general, you know, wives or um, in this season, the director of JSC, Johnson Space Center, is a woman. Uh, I don't want to spoil it too much. We have women in like leadership positions that they wouldn't have had back then. And um I was just kind of struck watching the whole show about like it shows women dealing with like mental or physical pain and how it captures to me that captures it so well. Women tend to hide stuff. We're like cats. If we're sick or not feeling well, we we don't say anything about it on that whole show. Every character who's a every woman character is like, I wouldn't say hiding something, but sort of like trying to sort of deny their pain, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm. And I, I just felt that it was kind of a universal thing. I think a lot, I don't know, I think a lot about stuff like that because um, I was talking to somebody recently and I was like, have you ever noticed there's kind of this culture around women? And I don't even know if it's coming necessarily from men. I think it. I think women underscore or emphasize this too. Like, oh yeah, women can take pain, we're tough. Um, if you're in pain, something's wrong normally. <laughs> If you're hurting, something's not right normally. And I, I and I think that's the same for mental pain as it is for physical, because if something's bothering you in your mind, something's probably you need to something needs to be addressed. So I don't know. I, I just was kind of intrigued by that topic and how For All Mankind handles it, because it shows, you know, a lot of women, I wouldn't say in distress because these women sort of handle their pain, but how it kind of addresses the reality of women sort of hiding their pain and um, still having to sort of fight to get where they're at or having to fight to get further, you know, whereas the men on the show are just where they're at because they're, you know, they're where they're at. So, yeah, I don't know. I was kind of intrigued by that. But um, 
I'm a little obsessed with that show, if you can't tell. So, and and there's more. Like I don't know. I could go on about this topic forever. It was just something that I was thinking about, and I was like, man, why don't I write something about this? Yeah, it's a really it's a really good article. So uh, good job. We'll post uh, links to both those articles in the show notes, of course. Uh, well, thank I you. think as well. Emily and I got a preview of this season's um, for mankind, and I think the world is about to come up to the episode, which caused you and I the most what the hell uh exchanges uh yeah yeah <laughs> so it'll be interesting we're both in a facebook think, group it'll be interesting to see how they handle how i they think handle a lot of people this. are going to kick off about a lot of people are going to be upset yeah i think um i i'm i think i'm going more gray because of that show now because <laughs> i i watched yeah i think i think i've i've been traumatized by that show but i still love it but it's I like one it. of those it's getting real so y'all better just buckle up yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Anyway, uh, this week we're going to go straight into our main feature uh, and we'll do the news later on. We're going to mix it up a little bit. To celebrate the 40th anniversary of the first flight of the Space Shuttle, Lego have released a special Space Shuttle Discovery set. Now, I love Lego and I love space-themed Lego. I've got the impressive Saturn V set and the Lunar Lander and the ISS, so I'm hoping to get my hands on this as well. The set is just the orbiter. It doesn't have the fuel tank or the SRBs, uh, and annoyingly, it's not to the same scale of the Saturn V, but it has some incredible features and also comes with the Hubble Space Telescope, which you can put within the payload bay, which I really like. Now, Hubble was launched by Discovery on the STS-31 mission back in 1990. And to build some hype for the set, Lego have got Dr. Kathy Sullivan, who flew on that mission, to make a fantastic video. Almost every space enthusiast I know has a pension for modelling rockets in some form or owns models that were already pre-bought. For me, probably because my fingers are too fat for the Revel or Airfix kits, Lego is the way forward. Now, Dave and I uh, both follow the Brick Space on Instagram, which uh, assembles historical space-related builds from Mercury to the Space Shuttle and creates some fantastic images with them. So we figured it was time to uh, a perfect time to ask him to join us to talk about what he does and the joy of making Lego models of rockets. Okay, we're off to a good start, Flight Cool. Welcome, Charlie Nangle from The Brick Space. Uh, thanks very much for joining us to talk a little bit about Lego and modelling, I suppose, as well. So uh, to begin with, introduce yourself and explain how you got into this crazy world of making historic space models. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's quite the honour to be here. Um, I am Charlie Nangle. I started The Brick Space on Instagram as sort of a way to combine my interest in historical spaceflight and Lego. And it's sort of grown into this thing where I, I share all sorts of things related to spaceflight, um, facts about history, facts about rockets, and just sharing the models in general. I first got into building Lego rockets right around the time Lego released the Saturn V set in 2017. I had just gone to space camp at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center the year before. Nice. So I was really starting to learn about the missions in early spaceflight history, all the Apollo missions, all that. And so that was right up my alley right away. As soon as they announced that, I was analyzing all the pictures, figuring out exactly what parts were used, different techniques. So it was so much fun, and I hadn't even had the set yet. And I was already trying to figure out exactly how I could modify the rocket to make it more accurate. 
so that was sort of the pinnacle moment where I realized I could combine my two interests into, you know, something that I never thought would really be a thing, you know, uh, Lego releasing a set specifically for the Saturn V was insane, yeah. <laughs> you know, how, how big it would be. And it was exactly what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. So, so when, at what point did you then start the brick space? Right. So I, I had started the brick space on a whim on the 59th anniversary of Ellen Shepard's Freedom 7 flight on May 5th, 2020. And uh, I had posted a picture of my Mercury Redstone rocket that I actually had made about two years before. I, I had been messing around with different techniques for building these rockets. And that was the first rocket I built after the Saturn V. So I, I thought it was very fitting that that is the first rocket that took an American to space. So that was the first one that should be on the brick space. That, that makes perfect sense. Um, just, just going back to the, the Saturn V, which is a, a model which I absolutely love. You said that you, uh, you looked at ways to modify that. I, I'm definitely not there yet in terms of my own building. Uh, but inspired by some of the things that you have posted, um, I really want to build my own rocket garden all to the same scale as that rocket. Uh, but this is a whole new world to me. Oh, and I'm wondering if, if you can shed some light on how this happens and where someone like me can find guides or instructions for this kind of thing. And mm -hmm. and how did you start out doing it? Right. So the the Saturn V is set to a scale of about one one hundred ten. For every one hundred and ten meters on the Saturn V will equal one meter on the Saturn V rocket model. Right. Some of the earlier rockets are pretty small. The Mercury Redstone is only a couple inches high at that scale. So I started out just kind of putting things together. There's there's only so many techniques that you can use for those rockets, and I found out later after I had built some of these rockets, that there's a Facebook group called Bricks in Space. This has so many talented builders in it, and they have been doing these rockets for years, probably since the Saturn V set came out. So that's a great way to start building up that rocket garden. I prefer to kind of do my own things, but like I said, there's, there's only a certain way that you can build you know, a, a two stud wide Mercury Redstone rocket. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so then you've gone on to build different scale versions of, I can see them over <laughs> your right shoulder, uh, of the, of the Gemini and, and the, and that looks like the, uh, Mercury Atlas there yeah. as well. Yes. Yeah. The Atlas. Um, what scale have you done those in? So those are approximately 148. Uh, the right. Lego makes a certain cylinder piece, the quarter cylinder piece that's eight studs wide when it's all put together, which works pretty well for 148 scale because the Titan and the Atlas are both about 10 feet in diameter. So if I've done my math right, they should be at 148 scale, which is pretty good uh, as that would be sort of a, a standard scale that you'd have. It's not some ridiculous number. Yeah, they're, they're, they're good sizes as well, aren't they? There's a, there's a lot of detail on that. Now, were, were they your own designs or did you use someone else's uh, map for that? Yeah, so those, those were my own design. Uh, I started with the Atlas. The Atlas was, I think, is probably my favorite rocket. So that was the second one that I did after the Redstone, which is very fitting because that's the second rocket. But it looks it looked very much different than it does now. And that's because I, I've gotten better at building and all the different techniques for details. And the the Gemini Titan is a relatively new addition. And that's that's sort of the the pinnacle of 
all the techniques that I've developed for the spacecraft on the top and then the engines on the bottom. Uh, those were entirely my own design, but they're they're relatively simple. You know, they're the Gemini Titan is basically just one long cylinder and then the spacecraft on top. So, yeah, not too complex. Um, and, and do you use a do you use a particular program to do this? Because this is the kind of stuff that fascinates me. Yeah, yeah. So there are tons of programs online, but one that I use that's really useful is called Studio or Stud.io. There's different pronunciations in the community, uh, but that's one that I use. It's really useful because you can render your projects. You know, uh, that's how I get a lot of the posts for the Brickspace. Uh, so that I don't have to build them physically. I don't have to buy all the pieces oh, and things. I see. Yeah. So <laughs> um, some of the quality might not be great just from the render. So I like to do the physical stuff, but definitely I'd recommend stud.io for any building. I will check that because uh, I've been wondering about that because Lego isn't cheap. Yeah. And especially if you're looking for certain parts and colors that may not have been used that often in official sets, uh, there are certain things I'm sure you'd love to be able to build, but the cost would just end up being astronomical. Pardon the pun. <laughs> uh, so being able to design this stuff with an unlimited amount of virtual bricks and then render it does seem to make a lot of sense to me. Um, now, one of my favorite features of the official Lego sets, be that the Saturn V or the Lunar Lander, uh, is the level of detail they add to the interiors. Things that you just wouldn't see or know about unless you pull them apart and build them yourselves. You know, you've got pipes, fuel tanks, different stages, all kinds of ridiculous detail underneath the surface. Is this something that you do with your own builds at the moment, or is this something you're, you're trying to aspire to do? So they are the exteriors right now, but I really want to get that level of detail where you will have the tanks and especially you'll be able to separate them and see the engines on the second stage and, and all that. That's that's something I hope to attain someday, but that's not the first thing that I do. Yeah. The, the thing is, it must require a huge amount of engineering knowledge as yeah. well. I guess almost having the blueprints for the actual rockets. Right. Uh, but, but definitely something to aim for. Uh, and But this level of detail that they put in is the reason I'm excited about the new Space Shuttle set they're releasing, yeah. especially with the addition of the, of the telescope. Right, and that it stands up on that stand. It looks like it's it's pretty stable on there. That's, that's what yeah. I have trouble with the most, is getting them to stand up. <laughs> I heard somewhere, I don't know how accurate this is, but I heard somewhere they're, they're adding a mod to it that you can buy. And it's the, the Ulysses probe. I really want this, and I'm really kind of terrified because I don't know how I'm going to present this to my husband. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a deep cut. Like, that's like, wow, yeah. Ulysses, that's taking it. That's not Hubble. All right. <laughs> my understanding is that if you're a member of the Lego club, uh, you'll get enough points from your purchase that you can use the reward points mm-hmm. to get the the Ulysses. Uh, That's my understanding. Yeah. I don't have any of that, but Gabe, yeah, do I? I have or- body parts or or- <laughs> <laughs> so I have things I could sell. Lego should set up a program where you can just you can go to a, yeah. a certain place and then they'll just cut the organs right out of you and then they'll they'll give you a set. <laughs> If you want to donate an organ to someone who needs it, right. we'll yeah. can, we'll give you Lego. After. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm sure Lego doesn't need the organs. That's cool. Our organ donation program. Yeah. All right. I think I'll look at it. Yeah, because I saw the Ulysses mod or the Ulysses piece, and I was like, oh my god, I started crying almost. It's beautiful. That's so cool. I can't wait. Yeah. 
I read about it. Yeah, it's, it sounds fun. It sounds it's, it's great when they do this stuff. I'm impressed that they, because um, honestly, when I heard, I heard a rumor, I think a few months ago, like they were doing a space mm-hmm. shuttle. And I honestly figured it was Columbia, considering this year is the right. 40th anniversary of Columbia. So I figured, okay, they're going to do STS-1. They're going to do the shuttle with the white tank or something like that. You know, and um, I've seen people do iterations of that, which is really mm-hmm. cool. But um, there's no really sexy payload on the first <laughs> Columbia mission. So I thought it was kind of cool um, that they did Discovery. I mean, it's not Columbia, but I thought Discovery was cool because it has it has Hubble. And I'm like, okay, that is freaking oh, awesome. Yeah. That, I yeah. think that's awesome that they added Hubble to it because that's like a really cool heritage like payload of, I guess, of shuttle you know if you want to do that i have a question somewhere but i completely got got lost talking about how awesome the shuttle build looks that's okay the hubble arguably is the iconic achievement of the shuttle right you could say that so i i think that's why they've gone down that route i think they're also nervous about doing columbia because of what happened i've I've read somewhere that that may be why they didn't choose columbia understandable yeah the amount of detail on the discovery set with the Hubble and everything, I don't think it was ever going to be Columbia. Mm. If I had to guess, yeah. you know, yeah, it does look like a beautiful build, though, and I can't wait to get my paws on it. That's for sure. Um, it seems to me that Lego have began to understand, probably since they released the Saturn V and seen how successful that's been, that there are enough of us space nerds out there and Lego space nerds out there that. They should be doing more of this stuff. Uh, and we've had almost release a year now, the ISS, the Lunar Lander, now this. Uh, I'm wondering whether you have an ideal or dream build which you hope they get to next. Uh, where do you want them to go with this? Oh, that's a good question because, I mean, I want them to make everything, you know? <laughs> um, do you have a dream but, build and why is it Skylab? Yeah. Is it Skylab? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, I, I want a Skylab so bad. <laughs> a minifig scale Skylab, that would be awesome. Um, Absolutely. But I think because you can't get too specific, you know, it has to have some sort of recognizability. You know, the Saturn V or the Lunar Lander is so iconic that, you know, everyone would want one, even if you're not a, a spaceflight mm-hmm. enthusiast. And I think that it would be really cool if they combined some of those rockets into a bigger set so they could sell it as one thing. And I think it should be a rocket garden at the same scale as a Saturn V with some of those earlier rockets. And uh, I've mm, actually... That's a great idea. Yeah, so I've... This isn't a plug, <laughs> but uh, Lego has this site, Lego Ideas, where you can submit a project and then it gets to a certain amount of votes on the on the site and they will consider it to be a real set. And that's how they made the Saturn V. And... I have submitted my own that is the rocket garden that includes the the redstone, the atlas, the titan, and then some of the Russian ones too. Just because it was the That's cool. it is the sixtieth anniversary of human spaceflight this year. Space so I thought I would mm. commemorate it with something, you know. But I, I'm not sure if it's ever gonna make it. And they have to consider it in the first place if it's even gonna be produced as a set. So I think I'm in that bricks and space group, mm. even though I I'll be honest, I'm not really a, a model person. Mm. I like models, but I've purchased most of them pre-fabricated. Oh, right. So yeah. that group, I mean, that's the, they have some stuff in there that's crazy. Yeah. I don't know if Dave's in that group. I am. Okay, yeah. <laughs> There's stuff in there that is just like, wow, somebody wanted to build yeah. that. That's insane. Okay. Yeah. I think the craziest thing in there 
is the guy who keeps posting these updates of uh, his two scale to the Saturn V rocket VAB vehicle assembly, right? Vehicle, yeah, which w- which would probably be bigger than the room <laughs> that I'm in now. It's it's ridiculous. I mean, he's he's gone full structure and everything. I mean, obviously he hasn't built it yet. He's just doing it all with uh, within uh, stud.io yeah. or studio. Uh, but it's incredible that he's even attempting this, mm-hmm. uh, and and one day he's hoping to build it. I think he set up a Kickstarter or something <laughs> like that to be able to fund all the pieces oh so, that, so he can even attempt it. But wh- whether that will be structurally structurally intact would be a real challenge, I imagine. Just keeping something that big and large upright. I mean, you have to really think about yeah. that. Some serious engineering <laughs> going into that. Yeah, that's crazy. I I don't know what the piece count was on it in this most recent one, but I'm sure it's at least like a hundred thousand, you know, all those, all that structure inside. And my computer, when I run studio, I think um, the, one of the models, probably the biggest model I've had is like 5,000 pieces. And my computer runs pretty slow when that's in the program. I don't know how (laughs) he's running that. I mean, he's got to have like a computer that's, I was about to say a computer as powerful as as the Saturn V, but like we can fit that in our pocket. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Now, we do have some Patreons, and uh, someone has asked a question because they're interested in this stuff as well. Amar has said, what kind of build do you prefer to make, small but distinctive uh, and iconic or large and complex? Hmm. I think large and complex. Uh, Not that I get the chance to build too many of them, you know, in person. Um, but I think that part of the reason why the Saturn V is so cool, why everyone loves it, is because it's so big. And I, I think that the same goes for building these Lego models, is that the, the bigger you get, the more interesting they are. You know, I, I, love, I love building the small ones too, but I think the bigger ones, you know, gain the most attention. I think those are the, the ones that are really fun to build. Yeah, I agree. I love my Saturn V. Uh, and I got suckered in on Facebook to an advertisement. This is before I knew of any of the community stuff or the Facebook groups or any of that kind of stuff. And it was for the launch tower for the Saturn V, two scale that you could sit it on. And it's, it looked amazing. And I was like, oh my God, look at that. I've got, I've got to have that. So I, I paid the money and then it arrived. And it turns out it was not official Lego. It's some Chinese company of weird thing and it's horrible and none of the pieces fit together properly and i spent two days trying to build it got pretty much all the way to the top really high up and then i was adding a piece and the whole thing came tumbling down which begs the question charlie have you had any real disasters with any of your builds well it's it's sort of the same thing i built the same saturn V tower not the not the chinese one I bought some of the pieces for that. It was for, there's a convention that happens every year. Um, it's about half an hour from my house. It's called Brickworld Chicago. And Brickworld is a nationwide convention. They've got conventions all over throughout the year. But the biggest one that they have is in Chicago. And for 2019, they announced that the theme would be space and that it, for the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11. Nice. So that's when I realized that like I needed to, to go all out. I needed to have like every rocket and I needed to have the Saturn V launch tower. And I started to model it. And then I used one of the ones that was out there. I think, uh, I'm not sure who the builder was, but they submitted that to Lego ideas. 
and it got to the 10,000 supporters in like record time, but they didn't make it into a set. So he released the file. Uh, so I used that as sort of a, a, a jumping off point and it was really expensive, tons of pieces that you had to order. So I started, you know, removing some of the details and part of the structure of the inside of the tower. No. And this is digitally. So I don't know what it's like structurally when I build the thing. So the last batch of pieces comes in maybe a week before the convention and I'm starting to put it together and I realize that you know, there's no way I can build the whole thing and then move it to the convention. Like it has to be in sections. And then even if I build it now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to take it apart to bring it to the convention without it, you know, just the whole, the whole thing being ruined. So I build it in sections and then take it to the convention and start setting it up. And I realized that the whole thing is starting to lean. And <gasps> thankfully, no. it never it never fell over. But I, I got the whole thing together and then realized that the crane that goes on the top would have tipped the whole thing over. So I had to sort of figure out how, how I was going to attach this thing on the top because you know you couldn't you can't have the launch tower without the the crane on the top. And there are different vendors at this convention that sell individual pieces and in bulk. So I had to kind of go around to each one and figure out which ones I needed that would work best. And it kind of reminded me of the scene in Apollo 13 where they, they like have all the pieces <laughs> to build the, the CO2 filter. And it's like, like yeah. that was, that was the, the most terrifying part <laughs> and also really fun. <laughs> and yeah. so like I had to leave this thing, this, this tower up for the whole week for the duration of this convention. And it was sheer terror every time a little kid ran past or like someone got too close and it was just like, please, please don't, don't get yeah, too close. Do not touch yeah, this. Do yeah. not. <laughs> just thankfully the whole thing survived. Um, but ironically, once I got it home and set it up, that's when it came down. <laughs> so thankfully the yeah. whole thing uh, stayed up for the convention, but I don't have that anymore. <laughs> it's just in pieces. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my, mine. I, it was attaching the crane, and the whole thing oh, went down. Yeah. And it, it was like four in the morning. I was, I was getting to. I'd been working <laughs> on it almost forty-eight hours straight. I thought it wasn't going to be very complicated. I completely underestimated. It was my first attempt at doing anything that wasn't official Lego. And and the good thing is that it led me to do some research, and that's how I found out about the Bricks in Space Facebook group. And then I started realizing this is actually a big deal, and that people love this stuff and take a lot of pride in it. Uh, there's a whole whole community of people out there doing it and looking out for each other which is which is really great um i felt bad actually because i didn't realize that the company i'd purchased the kit off had stolen the designs and were making money off of someone else's work so uh yeah which i've now learned and i won't be doing that again obviously and if you're listening don't do that uh there's really so much more to this than i ever imagined and that is also why i love your instagram account charlie i love the ideas behind what you do and how you merge your builds and designs with the actual mission photos and then you caption it with all the relevant history it really brings out the kid in me and I, yeah <laughs> it makes me just want to sit there and spend, sit down and spend all my day playing with Lego. So yeah. um, thank you, Charlie. Please don't stop doing what you're doing. I love seeing like today's STS-3 post. That's not like a famous mission. It should be, <laughs> but it's not like, you know, one of the like Apollo 11 type missions. Most people on the street would be, would not know what it was. So to see stuff like that, it's like, that's just cool because it's kind of more of a, 
oh yeah <laughs> that's the time they landed in white sands yeah. you know so i i really love those little nods to space history that you might not think about so definitely keep keep on keeping on we we love we'll it. do as long as there are things to build i'll build them amazing thanks so much for joining us charlie this has been great yeah, this thank was you a lot of fun thank you I thoroughly enjoyed speaking to Charlie there. What a lovely, lovely guy. It was great to get to know the guy behind the Instagram account, uh, which we both love so much. He's, he's just one of us, yeah. isn't he? He's one of us. One of us. One of us. Anyway, Emily, you, you kind of mentioned it within uh, within that interview. You've, you've never been tempted to do any uh, brick building or, or, or rocket modeling? You know, it's funny. Um, I'm in a few modeling, uh, space modeling groups. And um, I don't build, I'll, I'm probably going to get kicked out of them for mentioning this. I do not build <laughs> models. I tend to break stuff. I'm a klutz. So I tend to build stuff that's pre-made. I do have a few models around the house, but it's stuff that I bought and it was already prefabricated. So I didn't have to do anything. So I am in a few modeling groups, even though I don't make models personally, just because I, I tend to break things. And I would be heartbroken if I bought, you know, this beautiful model kit and I, I destroyed something, you know, and yeah. despite that, I, I do have to say, you know, people like Charlie, the space modeling communities. Uh, there's a few groups on Facebook, and there's one that he did mention called Bricks in Space that uh, me and me and you are both in. Um, mm -hmm. There are some builds in there; they are just incredible. Like, and I, I've seen some model builds, not just Lego, but um, there are some people who build stuff. I mean, there's a few people out there who build things. Um, I'm gonna name drop one of them. I have a friend, Mike Mikowski, Michael Mikowski, who's a he's been building. He has a, I think a business he he sells books called miniatures uh miniatures in space and they're basically how to sort of build your own models and i have a few of the books but um he's built some stuff too i mean not to take away from people who build things in lego because i think it's i i think all the little artistic expressions of you know i i, I consider it a type of art personally because mm. some these um these builds that you know charlie does and Mike does, or they do. I'm sorry, I probably screwed up my grammar there. These builds that they do are just so like, you know, just to the T. They're not just, I, I couldn't do them personally. I don't think I have that type of artistic eye. Like I appreciate models, but I don't have that type of, I, I think it's like painting almost. Like I love space art. Like I look at what Tim Gagnon does and what, oh, you know, yeah. Robert McCall did. I look at things like that and I'm like, that's incredible. I could never do it. I, I can appreciate yeah. it, but I could never do that kind of stuff because I feel like it's it takes a different kind of brain to do that. And I don't have that kind of brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. I, I love putting them together. I love going through the instructions, finding the pieces and all that. I find it very therapeutic. Uh, just to nice to have a little time out. But and and, and but, um, genuinely, when you're just following the instructions, you're you're following someone else's hard work already. They've done the design. They've done the engineering mm -hmm. so we just get to reap the benefits of lego and i think that's one of the reasons i enjoy it yeah um but it is art i have not created the art i'm just putting it together it's like paint by numbers right but it's still really incredible what these people are doing and what charlie's doing and people like charlie who are creating their own rockets from scratch or their own builds from scratch that's just a different level a complete different level um, and you know, looking at a photo and saying, I, "I'm going to build that with some with some bricks." 
incredible. I don't understand how they how they do that, and uh, I, and I love the fact they do it because I get great enjoyment out of it, especially with things like Charlie's um, Instagram account and, and these Facebook groups that we can watch and see what people are up to. I think it's great. I really think it's great, and I think people shouldn't turn their nose up at it and think, oh, it's just Lego, because it's not. It really is something bigger than that. It's not. Yeah, it's um, looking at some of the stuff Charlie has done and, and some of the stuff I've seen, you know, in just general space modeling groups by, you know, an assortment of people. Um, it is art. It's something that I couldn't do. And it's not a toy. Yeah, they're definitely made to, you know, look at and admire. Yeah, that that's partly why I have not bought the Saturn V kit by Lego. Everyone's like, oh, you need to get the Saturn V. And I'm like, um, I have two cats and they would destroy it within about two seconds. <laughs> Pretty much all my friends had that Le- that Lego set, and I just think it's too expensive and too beautiful for me to just have destroyed in my house. So yeah, the good thing is about Lego is I mean I've knocked mine over <laughs> so many times and it breaks into a few pieces, but you rebuild yeah. it, and that's part of the fun. Uh, you know, it's not like it's not like those other model kits where if that goes it's down it. and smashes, <laughs> that's it, game over. You know, you you have to buy a new set and start again. So that's I think that's the other reason because I also am clumsy. Uh, I enjoy I enjoy this, but yeah, it was great having Charlie on. And if you haven't checked out his um, his page, please go go over to Instagram.com forward slash the dot brick dot space. We'll put that in the show notes as well for those of you who are a little bit more lazy. And if you'd like to watch the full interview with him and see some of the builds he had behind him, you can go and check that out on our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash space and things. And uh, yeah, there's all, all kinds of stuff going on in there as well. Hi, I'm Max Kaiserman with Lunar Replicas, and you're listening to the Space and Things podcast with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. And so we get on to this week's space news. I mentioned last week that after we were finishing recording, there may have been a SpaceX Falcon 9 launch, which was going to put some more Starlink satellites into orbit. Well, it happened. And as promised, I put all the information in last week's show notes. But they'll also be there this week. Uh, But this week, there has only been one other launch, which took place at the Vostokny. Vostokny, (laughs) I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. Vostokny Cosmodrome in Russia. Uh, the European company Ariane Space launched a Soyuz 2.1B rocket carrying 31 OneWeb satellites. And a OneWeb is a British-based company. So this is the kind of launch that actually ends up on the BBC website, which is is, is quite amazing. Anyway, uh, it's a British-based company company which is launching a, a satellite constellation of thousands of satellites with, with the aim to offer access to the internet in remote areas. So it's similar to Starlink, I guess. Um, however, last year, the company had to file for bankruptcy uh, after the pandemic hit. And it's now owned by the British government, believe it or not, and an Indian company called Bharti Global. Uh, so they're hoping that this launch sends a signal that everything is okay, but they have cut the amount of satellites they're planning on launching from 48,000 to 6,372. So maybe it's not quite so good as they thought it was going to be i guess space is hard after all (laughs) we're recording this on tuesday uh, march 30th and today we have seen some incredible stories break Uh, first the final two crew members were announced for the inspiration Four flight Uh, you may remember us talking about this Uh, billionaire jared isaacman has charted a spacex dragon capsule so he can command the first fully commercial crewed orbital space mission this year uh possibly in september october 
He wanted the mission to inspire, so he decided the other three seats will be given away, and they're named Hope, Generosity, and Prosperity. Now, the Hope seat was announced a few weeks back, and its passenger is 29-year-old Haley Arsenault. She was chosen as an ambassador for the St. Jude Children Research Hospital, where she works and was once a patient. As a child, she had bone cancer, and as a result, she has metal rods and her left leg instead of bones. She will become the youngest American and the first person with a prosthetic to fly in space. And today it was announced that she's going to be joined by Chris Sembrocki and Dr. Sean Proctor in the Generosity and Prosperity seats, respectively. Sembrocki is 41 and works as a data engineer for Lockheed Martin and former space camp counsellor, which is pretty cool. The Generosity seat was picked by a competition in which a name was picked from those who contributed to St. Jude's Hospital. Uh, but in the true spirit of generosity, the name picked out was not, in fact, Chris Sembrowski, but his friend, who then donated him the ticket. Uh, I love that. I think that it's is amazing. Awesome. Um, this competition raised $13 million from 72,000 individual donations, uh, and that will be added to the $100 million pledged by Isaacman for the St. Jude Children Research Hospital. The Prosperity Seat was also a competition which asked entrants to set up an e-commerce website using a payment system which was founded by Isaacman called Ship for Shop. Uh, the entrants also had to upload a video explaining their entrepreneurial story and explain why the business should be elevated, quote, should be elevated to the stars. As Dave said, this was won by Dr. Sean Proctor, who set up the Space to Inspire shop, which offered prints of her Afronaut space art, which is designed to try to encourage people to talk about women of color in the space industry. 51-year-old Sean Proctor is a geoscientist and a science communication specialist and has participated in four analog space missions. These take place on Earth and simulate the conditions humans may experience on long-duration spaceflight. This is a ridiculously smart woman with a bachelor's degree in environmental science, a master's degree in geology, and a doctorate in curriculum and instruction for science education. Um, she was nearly selected as an astronaut back in 2009 by NASA, um, I believe she was a finalist, but didn't quite make the final cut, which is okay. That's still pretty good. Higher than I'll ever get. But now she's finally getting her chance to go to space, which is awesome. Uh, she will become the first person born in Guam to fly to space. Her late father, Edward Proctor, used to work at a tracking station in Guam during the first seven crewed Apollo missions where he was in charge of the data being received from the Apollo Lunar Surface Experiments Package which is referred to as ALSEP. Um, there are so many great factors at play here. I, I don't even know where to start. I know. I know. It's both of these new new passengers have got great stories. Just the generosity story alone. The fact that his friend won and donated the seat. I mean, it's it's just perfect. It's absolutely, You can't write this stuff. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, I, I don't know. If I had a winning ticket to a spacecraft, I don't think I would get... I, I would probably be very selfish. I'd be like, no, Absolutely. none of, of y'all can have that. I'm sorry. So, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though, I, I, I it is the spirit of generosity. And um, I just love the positivity surrounding this mission. And, of course, um, I, I, I know Sean Proctor, Dr. Proctor, a little bit. That's what she calls herself on social media. I know her a little bit. Um, interacted with her a little bit, and I have to say, 
Um, she is the perfect person to be selected for that seat. Uh, this is a brilliant woman, uh, has all the credentials to be in this spot. I mean, she has more than earned this. I, I just I just love what she does. I love how she tries to encourage um, women of color to go to space and to really be interested in that field because we still... People think, oh, there have been, you know, oh, Mae Jemison went to space, so, you know, we solved that problem. No, uh, we still need, just because a few women did this or a group did this, representation is so important. We still need that. We need to really make it apparent that space is for everybody. It's not just for, like, a select group of people. And, you know, imagine being a young African-American girl, you know, watching this on TV, like, Hey, that's somebody who, you know, I could be like someday. I mean, that is important. You know, for me being a kid and seeing Judy Resnick going to space, that was it. I was like, okay, somebody who sort of has a similar background to me could do something like that, or at least just work in that industry. This is so important. So I'm so excited. I hope I made sense. I kind of rambled on a bit, but I am so excited for her and I'm really proud of her, and I think she is the perfect candidate for this. So I am so excited. Yeah, I, I am super excited about this as well. I think it's absolutely living up to its name of inspiration. And I just hope it gets the media coverage that it deserves. Uh, are you planning on going down to the to Cape Canaveral to watch the launch whenever it yes, gets announced? Yes, 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 yes. I'm so excited. I'm practically crying just thinking about it. I'm hoping when they announce the actual launch, um, I honestly, I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my boss, <laughs> but um, he's probably not going to be happy, but I am going, I, I want to see that. I got to, I just, I have to see it because. Hopefully it's a weekend. Yeah. I, I just, I have to see that. If uh, the hotels are booked up, I'll sleep in my car. I mean, I'll just, <laughs> I just, I, I, I got to see it. It's going to be incredible. And it, it's going to be exciting to see, you know, somebody I, you know, know on there and just, I, I'm just so excited. It, it'll be like the first It'll be the first realization of, you know, what I think space should be, which is regular people being able to go to space, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Highly qualified. Well, Dr. Proctor is very qualified, but still, I mean, she's not a NASA. She's not NASA's astronaut. She's a civilian astronaut, which, you know, this is going to be so exciting. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, in other news, it's been, as I said, it's been a crazy day. Uh, SpaceX attempted to launch the SN11 Starship prototype from the Boca Chica facility in Texas today, but it ended in disaster, exploding shortly before the landing burn attempt. And uh, normally I'd suggest checking out the videos of this, as these launches have been incredible to see, even when they've gone a little bit wrong. Uh, but for some reason, they decided to launch in the fog, so you can't see anything. <laughs> Uh, it's not the best thing. And, and just before it, it did explode, obviously the feed from the rocket cut out. So you really can't see anything. Um, I, I'm beginning to wonder if they did this because they were fed up of, uh, of all the streamers on YouTube, <laughs> making loads of money from filming these launches and reacting so crazily to them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, who knows, who knows what their plans were, but it does seem a little bit odd to, to have for a test flight where you think you'd want to be able to see it for, to launch it in the fog doesn't make sense to me but anyway who knows yeah. what's going on there yeah kind of kind of weird but um <laughs> uh and finally uh virgin galactic unveiled its first spaceship three spacecraft today uh dubbed vss imagine this is an upgrade from the spaceship two craft they have uh which is called the vss unity and will offer improved performance in terms of maintenance access and flight rate uh, both Unity and Imagine are based at Spaceport America in New Mexico. 
Uh, these are both space planes which have two pilots and can take up to six passengers and are launched from beneath the wings of a carrier plane, which drops them at an altitude of about 50,000 feet before its own rocket motor blasts it into a suborbital flight path which should give uh, its passengers a few minutes of weightlessness and views of the curvature of the Earth. Um, now, there are currently about 600 passengers booked on these flights at the price of $250,000 a seat. So, yeah, I think I'll be uh, waiting a while for a seat. So I think I'm going to get Andy Shakin's book first, I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll be able to afford that first before I afford that seat. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's not, not cheap. SpaceX Dragon. That's it for this week. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed the show. And don't forget to get in touch and share your photos of your models with us, whether they're made of Lego or not. Absolutely. Can't wait to see those. I'll post some photos of my own stuff as well. Uh, So thanks very much for listening. And thanks to all who continue to support us on Patreon or who have donated or purchased merchandise from our website, spaceandthingspodcast.com. There's something new coming soon as well. Uh, It really does mean a lot. But uh, as always, we ask you to remember that in space, no one can hear you stream. Space and Things has been brought to you by... And Things Productions.